0: Morning. We, uh, I think, we had a theme running through our worship. He is worthy, and um, he is. He is worthy, and I don't know if you know it, but you're the choir, church. You're going to be the choir in heaven. And I don't know how this is all going to work, but when you uh, receive your new bodies, you may all be able to sing beautifully. You know, wouldn't that be nice? You'll be able to raise your voice up loudly in that day. And uh, the Lord is going to be glorified. But you're the choir. And there's going to be a lot of singing and there's going to be a lot of loud singing in that day. And so I hope we're all uh, preparing ourselves for the day that the Lord returns, the day that we stand before him. I know that a lot of you already know that we have um, one of the uh, sisters in our church here, Mary Hudson, uh, that went home to be with the Lord. And uh, interesting, here she is entering into the book of Revelation, talking about end times, talking about those times that we're going to stand before the Lord. And Mary's day came. And you know what? We rejoice. We really do as Christians. We miss loved ones and friends. But we have great rejoicing in our hearts. Because of the hope that we have in Christ. And I, and I love the scripture. Most of you probably know this scripture. Psalm 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. You know death has a whole different uh, in God's perspective of things. When that timing comes for any one of us. God looks forward to that day when we're face to face. He's looking forward to that day when we enter in and we're going to be face to face with him. I'm going to be leading uh, the memorial service this coming Thursday. uh, And it's going to be on pilot mountain there. Uh, The details, uh, we'll send it out to the church. All of you are welcome to come along. It's going to be at two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. And, um, be praying for that. Be praying for that uh, that service. A lot of family members are traveling uh, here for that for Mary's memorial, and um, so let's uh, let's all turn in our Bibles this morning to the Book of Revelation. We're going to continue our journey through this uh, this book, Chapter Five. We're going to cover verses one to fourteen, and. I titled this morning's message, Who is Worthy? And I think you see that there's a question mark after that. Who is worthy? And we just worship. We just lifted up our voices to the Lord because we know as believers that he is worthy. He is the one that is worthy of our praise and he is the one who is worthy uh, to be opening up the seals that we're going to uh, be looking at here this morning. Last week, we entered into this heavenly scene, heavenly throne room, we might say, in chapter 4. Always keep in mind when you read your Bibles that there's no chapter breaks. These chapters and verse numbers were entered in later on in church history for our benefit, so we could find things easy. But they weren't there. And so in chapter four, a key turning point really in this letter is that John is beginning to write the things that I believe are going to take place after the church age ends. Chapter four and chapter five that we're in this morning is that heavenly throne room. It's what John saw as he was called to come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. This heavenly throne room, as John, I believe, whether in body or not in body, he was there in this vision, seeing this throne. That was the focal point of what John first saw. And then he saw the one who was sitting upon the throne, which I believe is the father of, He was like a jasper on a sardis stone in appearance. And he had this rainbow around the the throne that was radiant around the throne in the appearance of an emerald. The 24 elders that surrounded the throne, this is what John was seeing, I believe, which are a picture of the church. They were surrounding the throne, sitting on smaller thrones, And they were clothed with white robes and crowns of gold upon their heads. That's you and I. That's the church in heaven. That's the day we're still anticipating and waiting for. John also saw in this vision, coming from the throne, there were lightnings and thunderings and voices. John saw seven lamps of fire that were burning before the throne itself, which are the seven spirits of God. He saw this sea of glass that appeared to be like a sea of glass in front of the throne like crystal. The four living creatures were there before the throne. These, I believe, were angelic beings will be on that day. And the church... And all that were there in that throne room are worshiping and we're told that they cast their crowns before the throne. And they're, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. What a scene. Just think what that's going to be like in that day. The rapture happens and in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we're in the presence of the Lord. In this heavenly scene, seeing it real time, we're there. In chapters 4 and 5, we see these two chapters as the stage being set for the judgments that are going to follow. When you get to chapter 6, it's going to be the breaking of the first seal. And we're going to see that the judgments that begin there are going to continue until chapter 16. Really all the way through chapter 18, we're going to see the judgments that are going to come upon the whole world. But today, we're going to change our focus. Last week, our focus was upon the throne there in heaven today it's going to be upon the scroll that was in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. We find this word scroll in this chapter eight times. And so it's significant. Whenever you see a word repeated numerous times in a chapter or in a book of the Bible, you want to make note of that because the point is is that the focus now is going from the throne to to the scroll. Look at your Bibles at chapter 5, verse 1. John says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. Now if you have the old King James translation, yours would read a book. It was written inside and on the back and sealed with seven seals. We might say, and probably more probable, that this was a rolled up parchment that John was seeing. I have a, a picture of some scrolls there. You can see a scroll rolled up there. You could see uh, somebody, how they might picture what that scroll could look like with these seven seals that are tied in a knot. And you see how it has this... Uh, that was a picture of an actual first century terracotta seal where they would actually take and have an image upon a ring or upon some impression, and they would impress it upon clay, terracotta, wax, and it would put be attached to these cords that would, or to the parchment itself, and it would be a seal that would protect what's inside the contents of what's inside the scroll. John saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, one holding this scroll in his hand. Scrolls were very common in the day. In John's day, there was a very common thing to see scrolls, scrolls that had been embossed with a seal upon them, Uh, They were used for various documents, important documents. And often that seal designated who was able to open that particular document. And no one else could. What's interesting about this scroll is it doesn't tell us specifically what was written in it. On the front side and on the back side of these parchment scrolls, it was written. Now I started looking at what some have thought it to be. Uh, One person by the name of Henry Morrison, he wrote and believes that the scroll is the deed of purchase for mankind's tenant possession, inheritance, or administration of the earth that was forfeited when mankind fell away from God, he saw it and sees it as a scroll deed of purchase that was made when Christ paid that redemptive price to redeem mankind's tenant possession of the earth by shedding his blood on the cross. And so a scroll or a deed of purchase is how he saw what he believes is written within it. Others say it contains the secrets of the future that only God can reveal and the mysteries of God that will be completed. We read in Revelation chapter 10 verse 7, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, we're told that the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. And so some believe it's the secrets of the future that God is going to reveal. Some say it's a catalog or a scroll full of the judgments that are about to be activated. The events that are about to unfold upon this earth. We're going to see as we go through the book of Revelation that there's actually three sets of judgments that are going to be poured out upon this earth and upon the earth dwellers, we'll call them. Those that are still here on earth after the rapture, those that don't know Christ and many will come to know Christ, but the judgments and three sets of judgments that are going to come upon this earth and upon mankind. We, and that's kind of really the, that's the view that I hold. I I see this in line with chapter 6 when we get into that, is the breaking of the first seal that I believe what's written within this document that is sealed and, Only the one on the throne had the the worthiness to be able to break the seal and to read its contents. was the judgments that were going to come. We're told that this scroll was being held in the right hand of the Father. Being in his right hand may suggest that God was the source of this scroll also being in his right hand, it it speaks of his authority and the power that he has to put these things into action. Who else can do that? Who's righteous enough uh, to be able to put these judgments into place, into action, to break a seal and to pour out these judgments upon the earth? I read that if you were to take the book of Revelation and you were to write it out on a scroll, the scroll would need to be about 15 feet long. The book of Revelation rolled up on a parchment in a scroll. The events that are to come. We're told that this scroll, that it was sealed was seven seals. Seven possibly wax or terracotta, whatever they might have been, seals that were upon this scroll. It's known that within Roman law in the day that it required people of that day that if they had a will, that they would have at least seven seals upon that document. And it was because it was an important document. It was a document or it was a contract. It was something that was only to be opened by a certain person or persons. In John's day, people who kept these documents and kept these scrolls or these documents with a seal upon them It was for the purpose of keeping it secret. It was so that no one would tamper with it. No one would change the contents of it. And so can you see the purpose as the one who sat on the throne, who holds the scroll, that has seven seals upon it, who is only worthy to break the seals, to open the scroll, to read its contents, and to then begin to pour out these judgments upon the earth. Why that's so important? It doesn't tell us specifically in the the text here what was written on the inside and the outside of these pages, but as I've already said, I believe that starting in the next chapter it reveals to us what was in and upon that scroll. Look at your Bibles at verse 2. Now we see who is worthy to open it. Then I saw a strong angel, we're told, or we might say a powerful angel, proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. Maybe Michael the archangel. A strong angel a powerful angel, proclaiming, and there's a whole lot of loud speaking in the book of Revelation, with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and the lucid seals? A loud voice. It often speaks of the authority of the one who is speaking. The importance Of what's about to be said. A loud voice we see in the book of Revelation a number of times. We see a loud cry in another verse. We see the voice of a loud thunder in another verse. As a matter of fact, 22 times throughout the book of Revelation, we see this word loud. Loud voices. And even though this strong angel was powerful and had some authority himself, he himself was still not worthy to break the seals and to look upon its contents. In verse 3 and 4, we read, "And, And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so John says, I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Here's John in this heavenly scene, now weeping. As he considers what the angel just pronounced. And who's worthy. Who's worthy to open the scroll. John knew. That no angelic being in heaven. Was worthy. John knew that no human on earth. Was worthy. And even no demon under the earth had the power and the authority, was worthy to break the seal. This proclamation that this angel, this strong angel was making was really going out to all creation. Is there anyone worthy who can open the scroll? I have to imagine that as John heard this angel That maybe in the moment there was a silence in heaven for that moment. As he was considering who is worthy to open the scroll. Until someone steps forward. The silence is broken. John is weeping bitterly. As he considers who is even worthy to open it. And then we come to verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. I've got a picture, I think, of that lion, maybe. The lion of Judah, who is worthy, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who was of the root of David, has prevailed. Prevailed to open the scroll. To loose its seven seals, and all of a sudden here's John weeping, that all of a sudden has this whole now new hope that there is one. John is reminded maybe in the moment that the one who is sitting on the throne and the one who comes to take it out of the hand of the right hand of him on the throne is worthy. Have you ever needed reminders? Have you ever needed a reminder of who's on the throne in your own personal life? When things are getting tough, when you look at our world that is falling uh, apart around us, have you ever needed to be reminded that our God is on the throne? Our God is in control of all things. All things in your life, All things in this world, he's the one that's in control. Amen? Amen. One of the 24 elders, in a sense, he refocuses John. He renews John's hope. And he says, behold, look, John. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, he has prevailed. And we know that in Genesis 49, verse 9, we read this. We have Jacob's last words to his sons. These were prophecies concerning his sons and concerning specifically Judah. He says this. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, from, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of the people. It's interesting that rabbinical authorities say that Judah, their standard, their flag, which they put in front of them, their standard was green with the symbol of a lion. The lion, the tribe of Judah, has prevailed. A direct reference to Jesus Christ Himself. Isaiah 11.1 1 tells us, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. In Isaiah 11.10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. These titles, we might say, are the credentials of the Messiah. A rod, a branch, a root. These are his credentials. This is what gives him the ability to break the seals and to read its contents. John now is elated. He's encouraged. Is renewed with hope. You see, when we're in heaven in that day, everything that is being transpiring before us, everything that we're seeing in that day, we're going to be able to rejoice in it. We're going to rejoice in the righteous judgments of our God. Look what it says in, in verse 6. It's going to talk now of the Lamb. The lamb actually throughout the book of Revelation is used 28 times throughout this book. Look what John writes, he says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. When Jesus came to this earth, he first came as a lamb, didn't he? He was born to the Virgin Mary. He came into this world as a lamb. Thirty years After his birth, when he began his public ministry, he walked out to John the Baptist to be baptized in that Jordan River. And John, on that occasion, as Jesus was walking towards him, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came as a lamb. But when Jesus comes, that second time, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, at the end of the tribulation period, when he pierces those clouds and comes back on that day, he's coming as a lion. When John looks, he sees Jesus as a lamb that was slain. He also sees this lamb Bearing the marks of sacrifice. And we know that Jesus bore our sin on that cross. He had the marks. He also sees these marks on the the sacrifice of the Lamb. And I believe we're going to see those marks. Jesus showed those marks, those pierced hands to His disciples... After he came out of the tomb, didn't he? He showed him where that spear was pierced where pierced his side. I believe that we're gonna see those marks when we're in the presence of the Lord and those marks he's gonna bear, I believe, for eternity. What he did for you and I. But John sees something else about this lamb. It has seven horns and seven eyes. Which John tells us in verse 6 are the seven spirits of God that are sent out into all the earth. Symbols, yes. But what does it mean? These seven horns that were upon this lamb and bore the marks speak of his Fullness of power. You see, a horn in the Old Testament was a symbol of power and a symbol of strength. It came to represent even a king's authority that he had. This lamb had seven eyes, which represent, I believe, the fullness of divine wisdom. Discernment that the lamb has. These horns and these eyes also speak of His omniscience. I hope that your God is all-knowing. I hope when you pray to Him that you know that He is all-knowing. I hope that you know that He sees everything. That He has the ability to see everything. And nothing is hidden from Him. And everything will be revealed to Him and is revealed to Him. And everything is going to be brought to light in that day. There won't be anything that's been kicked under the rug in this life that will not be brought forth and brought into light in that day, whether you are a believer or an unbeliever. The horn and the eyes. Nothing hidden. He's all omniscient. He's all powerful. He's omnipotent. Excuse me. And all powerful. He has all authority. He has the authority to execute judgment. Is there anyone in here that can really execute righteous judgment? Except for Jesus Christ. The Father gives into his power and authority. To execute judgment upon this earth. And to do it righteously. To do it fairly. God will not make one mistake. Jesus will not make one mistake. When he executes his righteous judgments. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all seen. He sees everything. He's omnipotent. And He's also sovereign. Does your Jesus, does your God have the ability to steer kings where He wants them to go? Does He have the ability to deal with kingdoms and nations on this earth? Our God, That's the one who was worthy to open the scroll. In verse 7 we see then he, speaking of Jesus, he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And in a sense this is as if the father is transferring the authority to his son to execute the judgment that is to come. We're told that He he took the scroll out of the Father's hand. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus prevailed. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus was then presented as the one who has the fullness of power and the divine wisdom and the discernment who is all-knowing and all-powerful. And then in verse 7, we see that Jesus is the only one worthy and the only one with all authority to walk and to take that scroll out of the Father's hand and to break the seal. This transfer if we could say it or call it that, this transfer of authority and power to the Son is what's going to trigger that outpouring of God's wrath upon this earth. But in that even, there's a praise and a worship that is going up to God in the moment by the church by the angelic hosts of beings that are in heaven. An outpouring of praise and worship to Jesus for the one who is worthy to take the scroll and the lucid seals. This is, we might say, the second worship set in chapter 4 and 5 the four angels and the 24 elders falling down in worship before the throne. Look what it says in verse 8. Now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The four living creatures and the 24 elders falling down prostrate before the Lamb. Each of them having a harp or a lyre. And you know, for those that say we shouldn't have musical instruments in the church, those different groups that are out there, that's not what I see. I see musical instruments, and I see loud voices of worship and praise happening in the presence of the Lord. So why would they not be in the church here on earth? Golden bowls full of incense are being offered up. We're told that these are the prayers of the saints. And maybe all the prayers that have been offered up through all the world history, all the prayers that have gone up to God, are now going to be fulfilled. The time has come. And how many prayers that we haven't seen the fulfillment of that have gone up to God and they're there with God? The prayers of the saints the loved ones that you are praying for now that have not yet received Christ, there are going to be many during the tribulation period that are going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And just think of those golden bowls full of the incense. Just going up to God the prayers of the saints. the seventh seal is opened in chapter 8 it's going to bring forth seven angels with seven trumpets it's going to be the second set of judgments upon this earth it's the seventh seal that we're reading about here that seventh seal is going to be broken and opened and it's going to usher in The seven trumpet judgments that are to fall. And after the seven trumpet judgments, there's going to be the bowl judgments. Each of these judgments progressively getting worse and more intense. As that seven year tribulation period advances. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. We read, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. It ascended before God from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer. Filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. It sounds like chapter 4 verse 5. At the end here in verse 5. But we see here that an earthquake is even added. Earthquakes are going to be happening during this Seven year tribulation period. This is actually the second earthquake in Revelation uh, that we see. We're going to see it also in Revelation eleven thirteen and revelation eleven nineteen and revelation sixteen eighteen. These earthquakes, and that last earthquake is going to be an earthquake in which this world has never seen nor ever will see again. I lived in California. The earthquake, I guess it's one of the earthquake capitals. A lot of earthquakes, a lot of shaking that goes on there. This is not even going to compare. God is going to shake up the very foundations of this earth. And every soul that lives and, and walks on it during that tribulation period. But now the saints, the church, they begin to sing and to worship Jesus with their voices. Look at verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, you, speaking of Jesus, you, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That to me sounds like the church. That's the church I believe in heaven. From every tribe, tongue, people and nation worshiping the Lord in His presence. Jesus has redeemed us to God by His blood. Amen? They sang a new song. And we might say this is the song of the redeemed. It's new because now all the church is in heaven. And and they all begin, and we all begin singing with shouts of praise and adulation for the One who has redeemed They sang a new song. Redeemed by God. Isn't that going to be wonderful when you have your redeemed, glorified body and you're in heaven? No more pain, no more suffering. And think about that. Mary. Mary just got ushered into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. How many times did Mary walk that street? Probably a half mile or more coming from her house with her walker to get to this church and you all saw her walk in here, walk down and sit right here because she wanted to come and be in this place. Nothing was going to hold her back. But I, This is what I can tell you about Mary. Mary's walker is still here. She did not have that walker anymore in heaven. She's in her new glorified body. She's in that place in the presence of the Lord. By this point, the church is in heaven. The redeemed of God are in heaven. We're in our glorified bodies in heaven. We read in Psalm 49, 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Job trusted God for this day when he said in Job chapter 19, verse 25, he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. This I know I shall see God my prayer is that we all have that strong confidence in our hearts that if you were to pass on today that you know that when you stand before the Lord and you new glorified that that would take place you have that confidence of your new redeemed body in the presence of the Lord. Hosea thirteen fourteen. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. It's a promise. Paul in Galatians 4, 4. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Redemption. We've been redeemed. And here's the church crying out, you are worthy, Jesus, to open the seals for you have redeemed us by your blood. Verse 10, and you, Jesus, you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. What a worship time. This is a worship time. You've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The church is one day going to rule and reign with Christ here on earth in the millennial kingdom. You're going to rule and reign with Him. And we also like the priests that had access to God. They could come into the presence of God once a year behind the veil But think about what this worship time is going to be like as we now have direct access. Direct access by His Spirit we even have now through prayer. To come into His presence you have access to God. And I hope you take advantage of it. Take advantage of the opportunity, the privilege you have To go before God in prayer. The next worship set that we see. We see all the angels. And the redeemed. Beginning to praise the lamb. And and I. This is going to be. This is going to be quite the choir. Just think of what that's going to look like as you see millions and hopefully billions of people that are going to be there in heaven in a choir scene, worshiping the Lord, assembled, worshiping the Lord. It's going to be hard to pick one of you out of the crowd. There's going to be a lot of people. Maybe some of us will be standing next to each other. Aren't you from Calvary Chapel, fellows? I don't know. You might be on the far side. I don't know where you'll be. But we'll eventually hook up. But look at verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Give me the number on that. I don't know. It just sounds like a lot to me. Saying with a, again, a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. We're going to all be just worshiping together. Imagine the sound of that many voices. These have been referred to as the seven expressions of the wonder of the Lamb. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. And notice that there's an and between each one of these words. A way that gives a special emphasis upon each one. And who's worshiping? The angels. How many of those are in heaven. The four living creatures that we've already read about, these angelic beings. The 24 elders, which I believe are the church. And the number, can't even count. And then, in verse 13, in every creature, That's worthy of underlining. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. If you don't like to worship now, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem in heaven. I don't think you'll be able to help. though. I don't think you'll be able to help yourself. Sometimes now you help yourself. Now I not have a good voice. You won't be able to help yourself ever. You're going to let it all out. There's coming a day where every creature is going to bow down. Every soul that has ever been birthed into this world or come into this world through conception is going to bow down whether you're a believer or a non-believer you're going to bow down Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 it says in being found in appearance as a man speaking of Jesus Christ He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every knee. And those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and then every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone's going to bow. You try telling that to people now that say, I'm an atheist and I don't, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in your Jesus. And they don't even realize that one day they will bow. They will kneel. before the God who came and extended His love and forgiveness to them. Yet they refused. Then the four living creatures in verse 14. The four living creatures said what? What's your Bible say? Say it out loud. Amen. The four living creatures said, Amen. There's a lot of that going on in heaven. I'm just training you right now. I'm getting you ready for that day. You'd be able to say, Amen and Amen. And the 24 elders, they fell down and they worshipped Him who lives forever and ever. Makes you want to be there now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, let's just, let's go. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And what a contrast. As we finish chapter 5, and we're going to go into chapter 6, Lord willing, If we're not in heaven next week, we'll be here. What a contrast. As chapter 6 is going to open up with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as it's referred to. The seals are going to be broken. The content is going to be read. It's going to be poured out upon this earth the first seal is that white horse of deception that is going to come upon this world the second seal is the fiery red horse which speaks of war the third seal is the black horse which speaks of great famine The fourth seal is the pale horse, which brings forth death on the earth. The fifth seal is the cry of the martyrs, those that are going to be martyred during the tribulation period. The sixth seal is a great earthquake. then we're going to have the seventh seal that will usher in the next set of judgments. Seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bowl judgments that are going to be poured out. When you get to the bowl judgments, it's for the great day. The great tribulation has come. The great day because as I shared already, They're going to intensify as that day of his second coming approaches. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, how can I give a message and not say, if you don't know him, then please come and pray with me this morning so that you might receive Christ into your heart and be saved. Because when that day comes, there's not going to be any begging. Well, Lord, I I, I just, it wasn't time for me. We have to, today is the day of salvation. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today for your life is as a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it vanishes away. Mary didn't think she was going to be going home last week. She probably could have thought in her mind it could happen. But she didn't know the moment. But it came. And that's the way it will come for us. And it could come that the Lord will return and you're alive still. And if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to be immediately in the presence of the Lord. But if you don't, and you're alive, you're going to go into the tribulation period. And my prayer is that during that time, it's going to be harder for anyone to receive Christ. You think of that? You think it's hard now to receive the Lord? Wait till the tribulation period begins. And so if you're here and you don't know Christ, come and see me. If you're here and you need to get things right in your heart with the Lord, Come and see me also. There will be somebody up here to pray with you too. And so let's have our worship team come up. Read ahead in your Bibles. Chapter 6 is going to be the opening of the sealed judgments. Read ahead. And we're going to continue our journey through this, uh, this book of Revelation. I really believe in why I felt led to go back and teach this book again is that these are the days. Just watch what's going on in our world. Be aware of what's going on. Be aware of the fact that the Lord could come back at any moment. I, uh, I read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. He says, And now little children, speaking to Christians now, Abide in him. Stay close to Jesus, in other words. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't want to be in a place where I'm I didn't realize it was now. I want to be ready. Watching and ready for the Lord's return. And so let's all stand.